Well, hello there, friends, and greetings from Austin, Texas, in the United States of America. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlock with Think Chat, and welcome to Confession number 93, where we're entering into the second section of Kath Murdoch's dynamic new book, Getting Personal with Inquiry Learning. This whole section is all about looking at different aspects of school culture and processes that we need to put in place so that a personal inquiry can thrive. Ah, a big thank you to Cass for writing this book that is so timely as we're re-entering into more stable learning environments and trying to reboot our processes, trying to be better than we were before. And what a magical book. This whole section of section two, I absolutely adore um, because it just helps us think about what are those structures we need to put in place. And speaking of structures, I would be remiss if I did not give a shout out to Kirti Kala, who has been such the rock for our book club experience in discovering this book. She has created all of the PowerPoint presentations up to so far. And she did this all while moving from Japan back to her home country of India and starting a brand new job as a PYP coordinator in a brand new school. A lot of change, but she's weathered the storm beautifully and we wouldn't be here without her. So one of the first questions that Cap asks is, are we ready for this? And that's a really powerful question to ask because we have to really look deep within our practice and ask, are we ready for this in preparing for personal inquiry? It's not something to run into, but as Kath says, it is the result of thoughtful conversation, careful decisions, and the creation of systems that give their approach solid moorage. Now think about that. Anything worth doing well takes time. And that's what she's saying. You need to make sure you have all your systems in place, that you feel confident with this process that you feel confident in uh, guiding your own personal inquiry so that your learners can as well. And she continues on to say, with the right intention and the right culture, a degree of diving into the deep end can reveal so much about what learners are capable of. And the process of learning through personal inquiry becomes an inquiry itself. Once again, the right intention and the right culture. And this, unfortunately, we can do it within our classrooms, but it's a, it speaks to the greater school culture. Is the culture ready to embrace this philosophy? And even within schools that claim to be, that claim to be IB, that claim to be in, you know, um, project-based, whatever it might be, but are they fully willing to embrace inquiry-driven learning? That is interesting. And when I began inquiry teaching, it took a lot of time for me to figure it out, how it felt and why it mattered. And to be honest, I didn't quite understand how the pieces come together. And if you have ever listened to any of my podcasts, you know, I am a systems person. I need to know, here's this piece, here's this piece, here how it works together. And I remember 
in the beginning of my teaching career of the PYP, I had a wonderful colleague, Karen Rodis. Hello, Karen. And she would talk about using inquiry-driven learning and conceptual questions. And it felt like Charlie Brown's teacher was talking to me. Wah, 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 wah. I had no clue of what the language she was using. But, and because it was a foreign language to me. And with time and a lot of practice and taking professional development, even with Kath, um, a couple times, I was finally able to put the pieces together to figure it out. That's part of it, right? But it's also, you don't need to necessarily know everything, but have a school culture that's open to it. And in this book, Kath provides a lot of checklists and success criteria to consider when establishing each practice. This is exactly if what I needed as a newbie teacher of knowing, am I on the right pathway? How do I know if this is aligned with my philosophy, my teaching practice, my teaching style, my learning style? And I really believe if you are in that space, stick with us because in section um, two, there are really a lot of things that Kath provides that are easy to implement to assess yourself if you're ready. I think that's so valuable. Um, and it's so needed right now as a lot of teachers are looking to shift their practice. So let's now reflect on whole school culture. Because to me, the one of the greatest things that happened out of the pandemic was it highlighted even more the importance of school culture, self-care, social-emotional learning. All of those things came out as that, yes, we need these to shape the identity of our learners and also within our community. And school culture does not develop overnight. It's a long, twisty-turny journey, right? Because you've got the whole school to consider. So the changes are not gonna happen overnight. That, that's just the way it is. And so inquiry doesn't happen overnight. And for some existing cultures, it's gonna take time to dismantle those fears and those misconceptions about inquiry of teachers that have been there a minute, right? Who are afraid to give up a control um, and that's okay, but more than ever, we need a culture that fosters creativity, individuality, and more important, learner agency. And as a teacher, I want to work in this type of learning environment where I can express my authentic self as a learner. So then I can get my own class full of learners to do the same. And Kath provides some excellent points to consider when trying to establish a whole school culture. She says, personal inquiry does not happen simply because we provide the time and opportunity for learners. It is not a set program, nor a set of tips and tricks that can be quickly grafted onto a classroom schedule. Inserting in a personal inquiry workshop into an existing traditional environment in which learners are for the rest of the week positioned as passive learners with little choice is bound to fail. 
And I've seen this with visible thinking routines where people think, oh, I'm just going to throw in a visible thinking routine and that's magically going to be solving my inquiry process. No, there's a specific um, purpose for each of those routines to stretch and, and to manipulate and extend um, the thinking. It's not just, oh, well, we're going to throw it in at the end um, to make it happen. So take a moment to pause about your own school culture. Is it ready to foster inquiry learning throughout the day? And Kath gave some advice that really resonated with me. She said, inquiry infuses the language we use, the way we design and set up learning spaces, what we put up on the walls, the dialogue at the planning table, the way we view parents in the wider community, our choices of materials and resources, the nature of assessment and reporting, decision-making processes, and so on. So if you really think about it, inquiry drives everything we do in how we structure spaces and what children do and how they're assessed and how they engage with the greater community. Whoa. Whoa, I love that. That's going on a poster in my wall, in my office. That's going into every presentation I give. Why? Because that right there is everything. And of course, Kath doesn't leave us friendless. She gives us some ideas to consider about your school culture to see, are you ready for this? She says that for personal inquiry to happen and a school culture of that, pedagogy is inquiry-based, meaning all the learning is inquiry-based. There's a shared language of how we operate within an inquiry classroom and a framework to support inquiry, meaning your structures, how your planning looks, how do your assessments look. My goodness, that takes time. You seeing it now? The educators are inquirers. They're, they're, they have no problem showing their inquiry to their learners, even if it's outside of the classroom experience. Even better, right? Because it's real world context. Learning is situated in authentic context. We're not separating out the learning, but we're embedding the learning together because that's how we operate in the real world. All members of the community have a voice including your cafeteria workers, of how the space runs. Planning and teaching are collaborative and responsive. They're not just collaborative where people come together to solve and create dynamic learning, but they're responsive to the needs of the learners. They're looking at the wonderings and saying, okay, how are we gonna shape our planning to reflect and respond to the wonderings led by our students. The schools have, um, have clearly articulated values and principles to support inquiry practice, i.e. your mission and vision are inquiry driven. My goodness. Whoa. Relationships are positive, warm, and respectful. There's never any gossiping about students in the teacher break room, right? Can you believe this or other teachers? So office staff is speaking only positively instead of reactionary. 
Educators have high expectations of all learners. They see all learners as capable young people who can do, not have limitations, depending on their learning gaps, their language gaps, their disabilities. Uh-uh, they don't see any of that. They say, we're going to create scaffolds for them to get there. And we're also going to differentiate the learning so they're different entry points. And when I read this list of criteria for school culture, I instantly picture a school full of confident learners of all ages. Everyone is confident in their ability. They don't second guess and they believe in each other. They rely upon each other and they recognize that mistakes are a natural process and they own up to those mistakes. Everyone clearly embraces this vision. There's no complaints by the parents because they're your greatest partners. But more importantly, they have the necessarily tools to make this successful. They're leveraging the power of the group. They're leveraging the power of the community to make it happen. And thus, relationships guide the learning process. This is the type of school I want to work in. And I know there are schools like this that exist, but they take time to build and build right. And they're all founded on our beliefs and assumptions. And Kath reminds us that our beliefs shape our practice. How we perceive our role as teachers has a profound influence on the language we use with students, the way we organize for learning, the design of learning tasks, and what we look and listen for as we assess. This really made me think because I've been designing um, a workshop on making space for learning, looking at all the different aspects of spaces, of identity, of you know relationships, of the physical environment, of cognitive ability, based off of an amazing model that my friend Mondrea Mitchell created. And what's really been amazing is that as I've been going through this, this mindset guides everything. And Kath asks some provoking questions that made me reflect on my own beliefs about inquiry. She asks, what do I really believe about my role as an educator? How do I see my learners? What relationship do I have with the curriculum? Whoa, do I know my, my standards? Do I know my concept objectives? Do I know the outcome that's required? What do I really understand about how learning happens? What do I think school is for? Have my beliefs changed over time? Why or why not? Is what I believe in my heart really manifested in my teaching? And where have my beliefs come from? Deep, 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 deep questions. And these all really made me pause for a minute not only did I reflect on my own practice, but I thought of educators that have shaped and challenged my beliefs and values about learning. Now, I just spoke a moment ago about my friend, Mondrea. She is wise beyond her years. She is so passionate about educational equity, particularly amongst children within at-risk communities. And she's striving to create a school that offers inquiry-driven education to those who rarely have access. And this just so warms my heart because our passion for the PYP program is infectious. We literally can speak 
five, seven, uh, okay, not saying personal experience, hours about aspects of inquiry, about conceptual learning, about transdisciplinarity, and how that impacts what we do and where we see it in our everyday real lives. And the thing I appreciate the most is that she always challenges my thinking. She will come back as a devil advocate and say, well, have you considered this? And I hadn't. And I always walk away Stretch beyond my current capacity of thinking. That to me is what an inquiry educator does. They take what you currently have and help you to have the tools to transform it on your own and do something differently. You walk away changed. And that's why I love engaging with her as a friend is that she not only engages with me professionally, but also personally. And she helps me with an inquiry mindset to be able to see how I'm operating in this world with relationships, with choices, and helps me to see other possibilities through an inquiry mindset. And then I also have a great friend, Vidya. She and I met online. And what a blessing that is, that we met through... Um, the Center for Innovative Teaching from University of Liggett and their Inquiry Workshop last summer. And just within a year, she's become such a true friend. And the one thing that I've learned about Vidya is that she is well-read. No book or professional development opportunity is safe from her grasp. And she took time from teaching within the PYP setting to learn more about the program through her own personalized inquiry learning. That's magic. She knew that there were pieces that she didn't quite understand or that she wanted to expand within herself. And she said, I need to take time for myself as an inquiry learner to really get a strong grasp of all these parts. So then I can impact my students at a greater rate. Don't you love that? Oh my gosh. And she is my like PD guru. I go to her when I wanna know about a webinar or course, or pers personal or professional reading, research, book clubs, and more. She's my center of my, my personal learning network because she is so in tune with the current best practice and the people who are making it happen. And what fascinates me about her the most is her resiliency against the unknown. She's faced many uncertain situations in her professional and personal life, but she just chooses to keep on shining. And this is a, rooted in a deep belief that we are all inquirers and deserve the most out of our learning experiences. That's what I take away from her. And isn't it nice to be surrounded by people who share our similar beliefs and values? Because they help to strengthen our practice whether they are virtual friends or physical friends. I have never physically met Vidya, but she's become part of my core of my friendship circle. We talk all the time. And isn't it amazing that in this digital age now that we can find your tribe of people. There's so many ways out there 
of connecting with other educators through Facebook, through um, PYP chat, um, through so many different groups out there where you can engage with other educators that feel the same way that you do so that you continue to grow in your beliefs and values if they're not shaped at your school. But seek out first those people within your campus who have the same beliefs and values about inquiry learning that you do. Now, let's think about how we're going to build community through nurturing agency. This section began with this idea by Kath. The courage to take a risk and try something new is stronger when you know that others around you have got your back. Ain't that the truth? When others have your back, all of a sudden you're buoyed up. You feel good. And we all want to work in a culture where the people around us have our backs. They don't necessarily have to support our initiatives, but they support our right to take them. This is a this right here is huge in setting the stage for innovation to bloom. Our students deserve to feel the same level of support in order to authentically pursue their personal inquiries. Cass suggests, take our young learners' ideas seriously and engage, engaging in thoughtful and genuine dialogue where we show a true interest in their thinking, their ideas, their views of the world as a powerful force for relationship building and models the way we hope learners will relate to each other. We're preparing them for the future where they're working with others in their future vocations of solving the big problems. And Cass suggests to take our young learners through this process, right? We want them to do that. How many times do we elicit learner questions, post them on our wonder wall, but do we actually look at them? Do we actually go back and say, hmm, am I embedding them into my unit planning? The difference between inquiry happening and not is that, that we're constantly looking at suggestions that students make in discussions, in small groups, on the wonder wall, while they're creating and saying, hmm, how am I going to infuse that in there? And then if it can't happen in our shared inquiry experience, where's the opportunity for it to happen in personal inquiry? Whoa. On page 53, there is an amazing chart that speaks to growing a culture that values agency and small steps we can take that will make a big difference. It presents what we traditionally might do in various learning situations and presents those alternatives. I highly suggest that you take a look at this tool because I think it will make you consider, oh, this is how I extend myself so it's more inquiry driven. I love this. I just cannot stop talking about this. But I have to move on to the next episode, my friends. I hope you have a blessed day and that this episode made you think for a moment and you keep reading this fabulous book. Talk to you soon.